don't believe in the right cult, son? It's a story made up to scare kids. Oh, he's out there, son. Waiting for you. We got a distress call. Leo and your wife screaming. Guess you got no reason to be here, Deputy Fallon. You're a peace-loving, reasonable man. But we ain't. He's out there, deep in the forest. So what do we do? We came out. Do you drink human blood? You're offering? Fear. I think it's best you be on your way. Stop! 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 I want that bitch out of here. What happened? There was blood. In that soil. Come on out! What happened to you? You need to take your family. You need to leave. Trust me. Where do I lose? He took the family. Turned his back on us. It's likely being poisoned. And we're left with... Fear! You ain't welcome here! Uncle Dad here with Mike. Mike, say hello real fast. Hello, hello. Uh, we are with uh, the filmmaker behind this very special and unique uh, movie called Sunrise. We are with Andrew Baird. Andrew, how are you this lovely morning? I'm pretty good, man. I'm in um, Los Angeles and the weather's good. Where are you guys? Uh, I am in uh, San Jose, California. So like this is the Bay Area. And Mike, oh. you are? I am, uh, I'm just uh, relocated Southeast. I'm in uh, North Carolina. Nice. These days. Cool. Cool. Yeah, welcome. We're all over the place. We're all communicating. And what better way to do it with, with such a talented man like yourself? Oh, <laughs> so, thank you. Let's talk about this film. If you can really quickly for our audience, can you tell them like a, like a, just a little brief summary in your words about what this movie is about? It's basically about a guy who's uh, suffered a great tragedy, falls into this sort of purgatory and has to find his own personal acceptance of the situation to kind of come out of that purgatory and free himself of 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 it um so i didn't want to i don't want to use the word salvation because it's kind of, it's religious and it's it's actually quite a spiritual film and the message is like uh quite spiritual um so it's kind of an anti-religious movie wow uh mike how does it make you feel i love i love a little spiritual uh, awakening every now and again. So, um, you know, I, I think also though, a lot of times accepting of the situation is the way to get through the situation. So I, I, I see that I see that through there. I can relate to that. Cool. Great. Do you ever find, uh, when you're making them films like such as this, do you find yourself taking a lot from your own personal life and kind of like connecting that on screen or is it more just a different inspiration of sorts? That's all I do. That's, I mean, as a, as a filmmaker, that's all you can do. Cause that's the difference between being a director and a filmmaker is like, um, a director does television shows, a director does TV commercials, even a director does like assignments on films with studios and stuff. With these movies I've done so far, they haven't been assignments. I've generated them or they've come to me and I've been a producer on them, whether a producer and an EP or, 
been given a lot of creative freedom. The, you know, the budgets have been tight, but I've been able to do whatever I want within those parameters creatively as, as long as I, you know, cast. So, yeah, it's uh, night and day to my experiences in advertising and music videos. And, and uh, before that, I was a production designer and I um, did a lot of work in, in uh, as well as doing movies as well with other directors. Um, so, but for me, it was totally, um, if you want to make good movies, that's what everybody's looking to you to do. It's like, well, what's your... And it's so pretentious, like, what's your vision, you know? It's like, you don't need a vision. You just need, like, a, a point of view, you know, an experience, a personal experience um, that you're able to carry through with this medium that requires a huge amount of uh, collaboration. And it, it's a really complex, it's a, it's a very com- complicated medium to use, f- film, you know, with all the m- machinery and technique and so it takes a lot of collaborators, really good people, and it takes experience as well, you know. So I had quite a bit of experience by the time I got to do my first, make my first movie. And yeah, I couldn't imagine making a movie that I didn't have a personal connection to. I mean, there's a deep personal connection to the movie I'm about to do, about a dysfunctional family who find themselves in a crazy situation and they got to like band together to survive. And then I think I know what I'm going to do after that. And that's another topic that I have a personal viewpoint on because that's what drives you to tell us that you're, you're meant to be a storyteller. So I think I get some, I get better as I go. So this is my third one. So hopefully they get better, you know. We'll let the audience be the judge of that. You just never know. You know, you can only be true to yourself and just uh, see, see they can be interpreted in a million different ways. I think if it's your third one, you're probably going in the right direction of getting better i would say yeah what you know like working with uh part of being able to have your vision uh, uh however you want to say it hopefully the people that you're working with enable that to happen i, I did see earlier you, you worked a lot with your with your brother when when you were i guess when you were in ireland when you were when you were working on yeah. films did, yeah. did that kind of help working with with your sibling did that kind of help you find a comfortable space to bring your voice and yeah. your vision yeah, like he was one of my early partners, you know. <clears throat> I'm Irish, but I'm also, I suppose, English. My dad was from London. And his brother and <clears throat> my half-brother both um, are in the movie business. My brother, my uncle was a producer in the UK, in the in the British film business. My half-brother, Stuart, was uh, is an editor and uh, also a director, and he's worked Mainly, he worked in Hollywood, you know, in big movies. So that was in the blood. And then when my other brother, John, and I teamed up in Ireland, in Dublin, um, we did a lot of work over a few years, you know, but it's such a small little business there, you know. And, and also, the kind of ambition that we demonstrated <clears throat> was mainly rejected by the close community in, in, in Dublin, is they don't like that. They don't like new fish coming in, particularly young guys. That's 20, what, 20 years ago, more. Um, it's probably a bit more evolved now, but um, no different like in New York or whatever. When you've got like a niche business, they don't like new blood coming in. Um, so, but we did good. And he was he was my real first 
partner, you know. And if we'd have done in LA what we did in Dublin, would have been a different ballgame. We would have been embraced because when I came to the US and Los Angeles, they just embrace ambition and it's a great place to come if you're ambitious, <laughs> LA, you know, or the US in general. You got to have ambition and that is embraced and a good work ethic. Whereas in other parts of the world, in Europe, they've got their kind of thing set up. And I've spent a lot of time in London over the last couple of years and I'm going to do the post on my next movie in London. It's a bigger, you know, it's a bigger machine in London. It's like compar- somewhat comparable to LA. I kind of getting to know it. But I can already feel that it's still business. Whereas in Los Angeles, it's like everybody's welcome. You know, it's just what I experienced. That's been my experience anyway. So my brother, also there's Windmill Lane in Dublin, which was a kind of a post house. It was a post house and a recording studio. Very famous. You two recorded all their albums there, their early ones. And they were incredibly helpful to myself my brother, our business, and then I brought my first two movies there to do all the posts, and they're amazing. So Windmill Lane were a tremendous kind of supporter of mine and showed me at the highest level how to do post-production, from editorial all the way through to delivery. Yeah, and it was really cool working with my brother, John. He left the business because it's so precarious, but uh, we had a good time together, and I always remember as I go along how we were a good team and we did some good stuff. So, yeah. That's lovely. When you talk about teams, something that I'm noticing, and please tell me if I'm incorrect here, I feel like you have a new team building and uh, that's with your relationship with Guy Pierce. I mean, it's your second movie with him. Is yeah. It not becoming like, I mean, not to say he's replacing your brother, but you know, is he connected with you in a, in a, in a similar way? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, initially he wasn't meant to be the lead in Zone. Travis Fimmel was, who I've also worked with twice. And it just uh, worked out the guy took over the lead and Travis took over Guy's role. And it was pretty amazing to have um, someone of Guy's kind of um, pedigree as your first lead in your first movie. But we hit it off from the get-go. And in rehearsals, it got a little precarious, um, I suppose it was like now we're we're in the trench. Who is this about me? Who's this kid? Who's this guy? Like them, right? Whatever. I don't know. And then after a couple of days, we were golden. That was it. Done. He loved the he loved Zone. And so when this came around, uh, you know, which I always thought of him for this role, you know, it was just like like just shorthand. You know, it was just we were just cruising and. Uh, and then Alex came in to compliment him, and it was just a great collaboration. So, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, he's one of the best working film actors out there, without question. That's a fact. I mean, you ask any actor, any filmmaker, he's revered. He's amazing. He's incredible. And the fact that I have this working relationship with him, and it's so, I don't know, it was just, uh, it's, um it's a real privilege and uh, it, my greatest um, pleasure when it comes to the actual shooting of the movies is working with the actors and developing the characters and the scenarios. And it's really great. Um, one of the hardest things with making movies is getting the right cast together. First, particularly the first one, 
Um, once you get that first piece, then others line up and whatever. So it can always be, and it, and it changes. It, you know, I've said this in other interviews, but say Mel Gibson played the role of Reynolds, it would be a different DNA in the movie to Guy, you know? Or if, um, say, uh, I don't know, Emil Hirsch or someone played the lead, it's a different DNA. It just changes the DNA of the character in the movie. So uh, as if some other director directed this movie, you know, as well, they bring their own personal viewpoint. Um, but it's a tremendous privilege to get to work, not just with Guy, but I work with Kevin Bacon, who's amazing, Travis, Alex, um, brilliant. I mean, Storm Reed is an African-American actress, young, amazing. Uh, cult. I've worked, I've just, my ability, my um, experience and like good fortune to work with so many really great actors has been absolutely the backbone of these movies. Yeah, I'd say like, if I see uh, Guy Pierce in a movie, I know I'm gonna, it's gonna have a certain type of feel. I, I mean, Memento, when that movie came out, was one of my faves for a long time. He was so great. I'm seeing a Guy Pierce movie. I know it's going to be, in in a sense, a Guy Pierce movie. Just like if I see a Bruce Willis movie, I know it's going to be a Bruce Willis movie, right? What's uh, what about the writer? Like, what what is your connection, if any, to uh, Ronan Bla- Blaney? Is it? Yeah, um, he's from. So he's a Northern Irish writer, and uh, he has like you know he he was nominated for an Oscar. I think he won a BAFTA. Quite well respected in Northern Ireland. Um, good guy wrote this thing about 18 years ago, I think. He came to the set and uh, told me that. And the reason I took it on was because it was the baby of of a producer called Mark Hotham, who uh, was working with Ridley Scott up until Napoleon. And Mark had wanted to do this movie for a long time. And Mark was instrumental in zone helping us with zone he had a relationship with guy and travis from raised by wolves and prometheus and um so it so mark gave us some legitimacy when we were making zone so so when mark had this material or his my partner martin brennan um he kind of took over sunrise and he said look do you want to do this and um I think I resisted it a couple of times. I think because it was set in Northern Ireland initially, and then they'd done another draft and it was set in the US. It was similar. One way, my last movie was set in Ireland by an Irish writer, a writer, I mean, from Dublin, a Southern Irish writer. And it's weird that I, like, yeah. Anyway, it's funny how things pan out, like how I've been making these American movies, but they have a hugely, they have a big Irish, uh, DNA to them. So uh, anyway, so I read it and it reminded me a bit of the pro Martin Brennan, the producer said also we were thinking about Near Dark, Catherine Bigelow movie. And they were kind of interesting to me. The Crow is one of my favorite movies, you know. That's how it kind of began. I had issues though. It had issues. I felt like there was too many different narrative threads and the tone was like all over the place between horror, Western, family drama. It was like, okay, but it had lots of tremendous moments and it had some incredible characters. Um, so, yeah. So, so it just was a process of refining that 
as we went along, which I believe we've done. And it was very difficult, but because it had so many disparate elements and tones, and because there was a lot of other directors involved with it and also a lot of other actors, so it had been rewritten so many different times that I, I think Ronan may have just kind of lost sense of what it was. So I just kind of found my own way into it. I felt it was very much a story that came from the struggles of Northern Ireland as a region, which is relative to what's going on right now in the Middle East or relative to lots of places around the world or in Africa or whatever. I just went in with that and um, and just we cast it like when it still had work to be done on it. But Guy came in and Alex, and then we started to work through it. I, I worked through it a bit with Alex. Not so much with Guy, because his character was there. It was more of the pieces around it, you know, needed work. Um, and Alex is the um, Fallon as a character and as an arc, I think, needed some work. We worked on that. And uh, I think as I go with these movies, I do more and more work on the material. And then I spend a lot of time in editorial. But I shoot incredibly fast and efficiently. So um, I shoot a lot of stuff very quickly. And then I, I spend a lot of time editing, which is the final kind of writing. Because the movie never stops forming, you know, it keeps forming all along until you lock the picture. But then you do the sound and the music and it's that's the beautiful thing about filmmaking. It keeps it keep it keeps adding. But if you don't get the fundamental right, in my opinion, it's the journey of these characters, whatever they are and whatever movie it is, whatever story you're telling. But if you don't relate to those characters, you're dead in the water. I don't care how high concept a movie is, if the characters are two-dimensional, then you just check out, because we're people, so we want to connect with other people in the movie, so that is the strongest um, attraction to me in a movie, and uh, and and Sunrise had had that key, those, that key element, which is some incredible characters. Yeah, we do have to wrap up here, but before we do, I just wanted to say, talking to you has been so insightful and so um, beautiful because I can tell the passion that you have for filmmaking. And you don't, sometimes in these interviews, you don't see those those things from certain filmmakers, but I totally feel that from you. And I and I really hope that Sunrise kind of opens even more doors for you and more projects for you, which I'm sure it will. So just thank you so much for taking your time to speak with us. I really appreciate that. You're welcome, guys. Nice to see you both. I'm glad you like the movie. Absolutely. Take care. Take it easy. All right, uh, Uncle Dad here, hanging out uh, with Mike. Mike, say hello first. Hello, hello, hello. Mike, we have a very special guest, arguably one of the coolest names in this business. Uh, Give it up for the man, the myth, the legend, the one and only Kurt Yeager. All right, I love it. (laughs) That's a good good intro, Kurt Yeager, the man with the best name ever. It's seriously one of the coolest names in this in this business. Every time I see that name, I'm just like, yeah. I always, I think, uh, I think you yeah. like cigars, and you see, go, what's up? My name's Kurt Yeager. Yeah, my my buddy, like, we were doing like some MMA, and he like broke my throat, and I talked like this for like a year because it was so messed up. So I had to like work it back to this, but I can go there. But I've had people ask me, "Is that your real name?" I'm like, "Yeah, it's my real name." 
Oh, Long man. line of Jaegers, which is uh, Hunter in German. Yes, yeah. Do you, now, a quick question: Do you drink Jaeger as well? Uh, I I have, and then like my family was like, "Oh yeah, Jaeger's great." And then I dated a girl from Austria, and I was like, "Oh yeah, you know, like uh, Jaegermeister's a cool drink, right?" She's like, "No," and I was like, <laughs> "What?" And she's like, "No, it's like a farmer's drink." And I was like, "What?" Like Kurt, like that's a cool name. And she's like, "No, it's like farmer's name, like Bob." <laughs> uh, I was like, "Thanks." Well, you know what? I still think it's one of the coolest names, and it's one of the, one of the funnest drinks. So, you got two things going for you, my friend. Uh, but yes, yeah, so here we go, Kurt. What is your involvement in this film? So our audience knows. And do you? Who do you portray in this film as well? Sunrise. I'm uh, D Gillespie uh, or Gillespie, whichever way you want to say it. And uh, I'm an actor in the film, and uh, also came on as a producer, um, kind of like help help it through the processes. So for my first time on like a legit film, right? You know, I mean, I'm like I'm producing, getting to see how the sausage is made behind everything. Yeah. Uh, to start expanding into into roles that um, otherwise I don't know if I get the opportunity to because I'm I'm a disabled actor, like I'm a below the knee amputee. I ripped my leg off in a motorcycle accident, and when I, you know, I've been working in the industry, they're like, "Oh, the character's disabled. You could play them." That guy, Kurt. And I'm like, "Okay, what about the guy who could still ride motorcycles?" Like, yeah, but. That's not for you. And I'm like, yeah, but I still ride motorcycles. I, I can still do backflips on BMX bikes. So everyone's like, wait, we're confused. And I'm like, I know, that's the point. So I'm trying to like work into these other roles that are like not disabled focused. Yeah, that, that that's kind of what one thing I wanted to ask you, Kurt, was, you know, you had this, you're, you're, you were in San Francisco when this happened, correct? You, you're from San Francisco. Yeah. So, so does yeah, that yeah. mean you're a, you're a bang, bang, Niner gang, Niner fan? Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Are you ready yeah. for the playoffs? 4-9. <laughs> <laughs> right on, right on. Uncle Dad's a, a big Niner fan too, so you guys have that in common. Nice, no. nice. But yeah, so so you had this injury, and, and and you know, among other injuries from the crash, you know, you lose you lose your leg from the knee down. Do you think right away, like, oh no, this is it, I'm done? I was going to ask, does this influence all the roles that you get? And it kind of sounds like, in a way, it does. Yeah, it's it's interesting because like. When it, you know, when it happened, right, and I'm laying on the side of the road and I woke up from a concussion and I, I called 911 and I'm like bleeding out and my pelvis is ripped open and all this stuff is bad. And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm dying. I better get to the hospital. And then, you know, spent like three months there. And what's crazy is I didn't think it was like over necessarily. Like I just was like, like cut the leg off. That's a question the doctors asked me. Should we try to save it? It's really mangled. If I get more usage out of a prosthetic leg, cut it off. And they're like, well, we want you to think about it. I'm like, I'll deal with the psychological stuff and the emotional stuff later. This is just the pragmatic stuff. What are we doing? Like, you know, and so it was almost like probably like two months after all those surgeries where I finally was like, oh, do, do I decide to I have a choice between living in the gutter or living the best life you can? And that, to me, that's the only two options. I don't like mediocre. I don't like milk toast. I don't like gray, like black and white. Yes or no. What, what are we doing? Get in a fight don't get in a fight. You don't kind of get into a fight. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) so you just walk away 90% of the time. You're like, whatever, unless you do. And it influences it. The, you know, like I'd say half of my roles have something to do with disabilities and half of them don't. But like, as you get higher up the food chain, your special things really matter more as a comparative analysis of another actor. Like, what do you have? What is this? You know, what's your name? What's your value recognition? Oh, Kurt has some kind of interesting addition in disabilities that uh, we wouldn't have in the film. 
So it can have an advantage and then it can have a disadvantage. And the influence of it is mostly coming from outside. Like not something I choose, right? Like, I'm, oh, I want to play that role. Like that one show, um, Raised by Wolves, Ridley Scott. Like I read the script and I was like the pilot. I was like, oh, this is like the best show I've read. You know, the pilot was amazing. And I wanted to play one of the characters. And it was just like just trying to get in there and making my people call and everything else. Got an audition. They're like, you're great, but we're going with this other guy. And then I saw it. I was like, whatever. You guys suck. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's interesting when we talk about, um, you know, uh, you were saying about how, you know, the amputee thing. I always feel yeah. like right away, the first thing I think of is like, oh, they use these actors now always for zombies. So I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm curious now with that, with zombies, you know, being such a, they were such a hot thing. I know they're kind of coming back. Would you want to do like monstrous type roles or no? No, I mean, not really. Cause I mean, for me, like a zombie, right? You're not even saying anything. That's not even acting. You're just, uh, <laughs> like, I'm not saying it's not good. Like you're legit. <laughs> all the zombie actors out there. I'm sorry. I just fucked up. All right. But, you know, it's not my thing. I, I want to have a range of character inside of one person, right? Like, when you have a really well-written character, it's just like you, where you're complicated, right? You know, you're a good person, but you've got some, some stuff that you do and you're shady about. And then you're over here and you're cool. So it's like how truthful you are, all of that, like, should come out in a really interesting character. But, like, I, I almost did the, the second incantation of uh, the zombie show, Fear of the Walking Dead. Oh. Like, uh, yeah, my buddy Daryl Chill Mitchell and I, he was up for the role. I was up for the same role and he booked it. And so he's a wheelchair user and they were looking for somebody like that. And I was like, man, you got it because you're black, whatever. <laughs> you know, and, and he laughed. He's my, he's my boy, so it's fine. But like, he was like, oh, it's funny. Um, but I don't know about like those kinds of roles. Like, I've done like monster movies, but as like an able bodied actor. The only thing I would want to use it as is to have a character that's a full, complete character. And then have that character lose his leg in the process of the show or the film and then go through that in the show and show everybody like what it's like, which has never been done before. That's that's a genius idea, actually. Wow. That's amazing. Because in the original Walking Dead in the comic books, he actually loses his hand, but they didn't do that in the the show. And so getting actual amputee of the hand that would have been exactly well, then, and then they did that older character the the father with the beard that was living on the farm that kind of came with him with daughters yeah yeah he became like an amputee and then they had to fake all that where like mm-hmm. i could wear pants and run around and you'll have no idea then mm-hmm. we could cut the thing off for real and then you have an actor holding my leg up and it's like dripping. And it's like his fingers are on. And then it's like, oh, how'd they do that? And then, you know what I mean? Like it would twist people around you. So I would, I would do that in a second. Without, without, uh, without using the amputee leg thing as part of your, the role that you play, how much of like the overcoming the adversity from your own personal life do you bring into the characters that you play? Cause I know you probably pull on some of that to, to give the character life in some in some films right yeah yeah i mean like for me that that part of me is like tenacity i've kind of always been like that like i asked my dad when i was young i was like you know what what makes me different from my brothers he's like if you get hurt you get up and keep going like you want to win no matter what your arm's broken and you'll just keep going right like i it's just my nature that's who i am but like the accident taught me like empathy and before the accident like I was, I was, you know, professional athlete. I wrote BMX and the X Games. I did, you know, double backflips over fifty foot jumps and, and stuff like that, and traveled all over. And then now I can only do one. But like, I, I'd never really been, you know, once I hit my stride, I never really 
remembered being weak. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I don't mean we, it's like, imagine having like the flu, like a legit flu, you know, where you get like, you're like, I can't do anything for like five months where you, you can't lift like a garbage can. You're like, I can't pick this up. And at the time, like my ex was like, can you take trash up? I'm like, why don't you just take it out? It's easy. And I didn't realize what not being able to was. So it taught me a lot of that stuff. So that comes into the characters. When you're weak, when you're strong, the legitimacy of it, like, what's it like? It's like, you know, those dreams you have where you're in a fight and you're like, ah, ah, but you can't actually connect and it doesn't work. And you're like, ah, mm-hmm. right. Or you're cha- you're being chased and you're like, why am I not going faster? Like it's that that's that's what it feels like to be weak. You're susceptible to anybody that can hurt you or get you or whatever. So that puts fear in you. And if you have real fear on camera, along with real strength, now it's a journey between the characters as opposed to something that's like weak and then now I'm strong. And it's like you see the actors being like, mm, What's a man? And you're like, that guy get beat up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, huh. that's a great way of describing it though with the dreams of like just like trying to run and you know you can't run but you can't and and fear being a part of that and fear is also a, plays a huge role in sunrise right like that's a big yeah big yeah. arc of, of what's going on uh with the people there yeah um, it's really interesting because like fear like it's the fear of each individual character that's what's driving everything and that's what's destroying the town and everything the fear of others right the fear of foreigners xenophobia the fear of like my character to guy pierce's character right you know what i mean then the fear of the the fallon character who's this outsider who's got power all of that fear is just like making everyone lie to each other and not tell the whole truth and like hide things and that's the downfall so the messaging if you see that overall is don't lie to yourself don't lie to others. Live live it as it is, right? Like, it's better to be hated for who you are than loved for who you aren't. So just mm. do what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, it's a good person, right? But you know how you see shady people and they're, like, hunting around the edges and you're like, man, if you were just out up front with that, you'd get put down. Like, that's why you got to be shady. So right. Stop being shady. Just be a good person. That's a, it's very well said, very thought provoking for sure. Cause I feel like it's a, it's a hard thing for a lot of people to be authentic, not necessarily even to the outward, but inward, right? Inward. Yeah. the most. And sometimes I think, and I've struggled this with myself in the past where you don't realize like you're not being honest to yourself and it affects everything outward. But as soon as you accept, okay, look, these are yep. my flaws. These are what I need. These are what make me, you know, maybe not the greatest person, but how do I, overcome that to become a better person right that's always the biggest mm-hmm. when we talk yeah. about if you if you lie to yourself a little bit you have to lie to other people more to make sure that they believe the lie you're pitching to you so that it just like has like a downfall effect and we're just afraid of looking weak or stupid or insecure or childish or whatever the fear is right i would say if you tell everybody your flaws all the time then the devil has nothing on you like i'll tell you guys i don't care if i'm live on like Regis and Kelly in the morning or whatever show is still out there, right? Like, I'd be like, look, I'm an asshole. I'm too short. I curse. I like whiskey. I have a wicked temper. Like, I just, I got a brand new iPhone. Brand new iPhone because I've destroyed my other one, throwing it against the couch, you know, (laughs) fucking pissed off. Who, like, so then when it's like, comes out, it's like, creator broke something on set. Everyone's going to be like, yeah, you said so. (laughs) (laughs) Not like, oh, no, he was my hero. He seemed so calm. And I'm like, no, I'm I'm just like everybody else. You know, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And it's fucking scary sometimes. Amen to that. Amen to that. When you're uh, when you're working on a, on a film like this, uh, we we spoke to Andrew Baird, the director earlier. How much does his vision of the film 
kind of and his flavor that he's putting on it influence the character that you're playing. Yeah. And this was great because like Andrew and I talked before filming and we kind of came up with the idea of what the character is. Like I, I said, look, the character's really strong, but he doesn't know it. Right. So let's say you were like you were, I don't know, eight, nine, ten, you had two older brothers that were ten years older than you and everyone you hung out was that big. So you would always see yourself as little, even though you had to like struggle and fight and like be huge. So I'm bigger than Guy, right? Like I'm bigger and everything else and uh, a little bit bigger than uh, than Alex. But like, I don't recognize it. When you don't recognize it, you feel weak. And if you feel weak, then you prey on people who you think you can beat up, not people who might be able to get you. So yeah. like Andrew and I talked a lot about that. And that kind of was brought out in the character and changed a little bit of the dialogue to make that work. Uh, but Andrew is a great influence on that because he's like... He gives you a long leash to like really work something out on set. Like, hey, let's do a take. Who cares what happens? All right, let's do another one. All right, what are you doing with that, Kurt? Are we going this direction, that direction? Yeah, I want to try this. And he came up one time and was like, Kurt, now I want you to try it this way. I want to have it a whole nother way. I'm like, all right, we'll do it that way. I disagree, but let's do it. So I gave him one exactly like he wanted it. And he came over and me, Guy, and Andrew were like, yeah, that was horrible, huh? Yeah, let's go back the other way. And, you know? <laughs> But it's also that, like, you don't know what works necessarily. And that's what being a good actor is, is being able to switch from here to here to here to here and move it around in a way that, like, you can find the truth of the moment. Because just because I believe something is true, I might be 100% right, but I only have 2% of the information. If I knew more information, I would adjust what I think right is. So it's like, Andrew, what do you think? Oh, I think this. That's a whole new perspective. Right. Like if I tell you, what are you guys looking at? Like you would say a black screen, whatever else. And I'm like, no, no, it says it's 315. It's, it's got my girl, my, my wife on here. Not, you know what I mean? Like, and I would be right. But so would you guys. So it's right. like you got to see all these different angles. And, and that's what Andrew was really good at, like communicating with, with me on set. It was really nice. Yeah. When you uh, hopped on to be executive producer, was that a something that you initially wanted to do right away? Or was that something that came in later while you were filming? Uh, that, that came in right away early. Yeah. I was looking for projects. I started working, um, on a, on a film fund raising money that what it does is it's looking for roles inside of projects that someone with a disability can play, but it's not about their disability. So I've been raising money, building that up and then showcasing that kind of skill. And this was like one of the first three projects we did to show its completion, like saying, Hey, look, from looking for projects, reading a bunch of them, choosing one, going out with one, delivering, showing ROI, getting it into theaters, even you know, limited run, even then what it does, and okay, it was completed. Everyone's happy. That means we done we we've done a few. Can we raise more money and do it again and again and again and again? Yeah. Do you, well, do you, find, yourself, do you find yourself enjoying the, the production side more or the acting side more? Well, I'll tell you that acting's a lot easier. <laughs> for me because you know it's like wind me up like a toy and go like I, i'm in my happy place you know what i mean like the, the work is like sitting in your hotel room for eight hours the day before studying lines for your next three days like that's the work right like showcasing and everything else like like having an art show that's not work you're just showing up shaking hands and having with and wine you know like you're just there but the painting and the hundred of hours of being like this sucks no one's gonna love it maybe i'll keep trying that's the work right on set you're like here we go <laughs> so 
But EPN man, you're like, okay, what's the ROI? What's the tax credits? How are we going to get some money? Who's the other actors going to be in it? Ah, I don't know about that one. Okay, let's replace that. You know what I mean? Like, we lost the set. How do we lose? How do we lose that location? What do you mean his daughter's buying the house? Like, it's just like mm. chaos. So, yeah, yeah. It, 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 there's a lot more going on. And then, and then you start having to deal with actors, and you're like, oh, actors are the worst. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, like, nothing like dealing with yourself, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, like, like producer Kurt tells actor Kurt what to do all the time. Cool. Like I know that sounds yeah. a little crazy, but actor Chris, like I don't want to do it. Producer Chris, you're gonna do it, and you're gonna do good. So what about what about uh, like what when you work with an actor like Guy Pierce? Do you are you able to take you know take notes from like how he does what he does, getting to see him work in real time? Yeah, man, that guy's legit. Like yeah. legit. You know, maybe I had little stars in my eyes, like being like, oh my gosh, L.A. Confidential, Memento, the proposition, yo, like. Uh, I mean, like, you know, Count of Monte Cristo, like he's the bad guy, right? Like, blah, like the, the great, 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 great roles. Just watching him being like, I, I felt like in the first, I don't know, a couple days, I'm like acting, da 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 what's he going to do? Right? And I'm like, watch it. So I feel like I'm watching a Guy Pierce movie that I'm saying words in, right? You know, and it's fun. But after a few minutes, you know, after a couple of days working with him, watching like his professionalism and, and whatnot, it's really interesting to watch him play because it's 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 I don't I don't know how to describe it. It's it's an you know, I don't want to like downplay myself, but it's another level. Like I know what it was like to be professional in BMX, right? Everyone's like, who's really good at BMX? It's another level to be pro. It's like like I still not have work to do, but it was just I don't know. It's just like, I guess it'd be like a baseball player and you're playing with like Barry Bonds, right? You're like, all right. Here, like I'm batting like 250, I'm solid, but he's doing like 350. I get steroids, <laughs> but still. <laughs> well, we do got we do got to wrap up here, but before we do, I just have one yeah. last simple question for you. What is your favorite Guy Pierce movie of all time? <laughs> oh, well, I I go I go with the proposition just because it's a little obscure. You know, mm-hmm. not a lot of people know about it, and it's beautiful. Uh, and they have the other, that other, uh, what is it, Irish actor in there, the, the bad guy in that one? They're all bad. Um, <laughs> they're all bad in that. But that, that, I mean, but then like Count of Monte Cristo is so good because it's revenge. You know what I mean? He gets yeah. to come up and it's like, it's like the book of Job. Like he gets his tenfold, you know? So that's good. Memento's obviously great. I mean, that's, I think that's the first thing I saw him in. Yeah, that movie is. To this day, it's still nothing like it, right? Like, it's one of the most unique movies. Yeah. Ever. But, uh, okay, we got to wrap up here. So, Kurt, thank you so much for your time. It was an absolute pleasure. And we cannot wait yeah. for you to come out for everybody to listen to this and also go out there and support your film. So, please, go out yeah. there. Sunrise. Thank you. Sunrise. Thank you.